Hey everyone, this is Pastor Dave from Cross Point Church. We are a church on the move to redeem people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether it's people who've been following Jesus a long time or people desperate for a fresh start. You can learn more about us by heading over to crosspointwestdallas.com. You can also watch one of our services on our YouTube channel at Cross Point Church West Dallas. Our service is live streamed every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 110th and Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas, and our desire is to meet you in person and to get to know you so that we can serve you in the best way possible. I hope this message adds meaning and hope and power to your day. And remember, every day is all about Jesus. Today we're going to talk about how to receive the Word. How to receive the Word. And we've been walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians, which Paul wrote to the church that he and Silas planted in Thessalonica. And this ancient letter gives us a glimpse into what happens when the good news about Jesus reaches a big city. And the first week that we opened this letter, we saw the rise of a church and we talked about how that church faced opposition and how they were bold in their faith and talking about Jesus with other people. And, uh, and then last week we talked about how Paul said to the church, we went all in for you. When we came to you with this good message about Jesus, we went all in. We shared with you our lives. We, shared, we, we, we built relationships with you. We, op- we made ourselves vulnerable to suffering and opposition. We're in this for you, not ourselves. And, and I challenged you with this question at the end. What would it look like for you to go all in? What would it look like for you to go all in for other people? For you to go all in in your relationships, for your neighbors, for, with, to go all in for your church and to go all in for the gospel? What would that look like for you? Today I want to I ask another question as, as we start to think about God's word today. And the question I want to ask you is what is God doing in your life right now? What is God doing in your life right now? And this question, you're going to see it as we go through our passage this morning. And I think this is a really important question. Now, before we get into it, I, I want to just point something out. You know, as, as we, cel- we celebrated uh, a new year just a few weeks ago, it's 2021, and, and we welcomed that, didn't we? You know, like for some reason, many of us were expecting 2021 to be a little chill. You know, because 2020 was so turbulent and and 2020 was so chaotic and it was in many ways a disaster and I think many of us were expecting 2021 to be different and yet here we are three weeks into the new year and it's not really different is it it's not really different at all I don't know why we expected it would be you know on Wednesday we're going to recognize and install our next president Joe Biden and 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 there's all kind all kinds of warnings and fear and, and the nation is just on edge about that event and, and, and this uh, and what's going to happen and you know we could ask all kinds of questions about that but, but there's only one question that I think matters today and it's this question what is God doing in your life right now when's the last time you asked yourself that question is, is God convicting you about sin in your heart? Is he using you to love and serve a neighbor? Is he showing you something new in his word? Is he calling you to something more in the church? Is he mending a relationship that was maybe broken? Is he turning your life upside down? What is God doing in your life right now? 
Because here's the thing, I, I, don't, I don't care about your politics. I don't care how you feel about COVID. I don't, care how, what, I don't care how you feel about masks or no masks. I really don't care. I don't care what you think is going to happen in these NFL playoffs. I don't care about any of that. Those things aren't important to me. I want to know what is God doing in your life right now? How is he working in you right now? And if I were to ask you that question this morning... Would you even know how to answer? Because here's the thing. When you, when you receive God's word, God goes to work in your life. That's what happens. It's that simple. And if you haven't received God's word, then, then, then there, is nothing, there is nothing to see. There is nothing to talk about. And, and some people receive God's word and some people don't. What's the difference? That's going to be our subject Today, how to receive God's word. So let's read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're just going to start off with reading verse 13. And this is what it says. Therefore, we never stopped thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. This is the word of God. Let's pause and pray. God, I thank you so much for all who are gathered here and all who are connecting with us online today. We thank you, God, for your word and that you have spoken to us. We thank you, God, that you want to be known and that because you want to be known, you have communicated with us through your word. God, give us understanding today. Open our hearts to understand and receive your word. And may our lives show, show others and show the world that you are real and that you are love. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So Paul says, Paul starts in this, in this verse and he says, we thanked God, we praised God because when you heard our message, you received it as, as, as it was. It's God's word. You didn't receive it as just words from, other, from men. You received it as God's word. So what is the message that he's talking about? What is this word from God? And I think it seems clear from verse 4, earlier in this chapter, that the message he's talking about is the gospel message. And this is what he said in verse 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Now, what is the good news? Well, the good news is the gospel of Jesus. It's this news that God has done something about sin. He's done something about the separation that exists between him and human beings. He's done something about sin and death. He's done something about all the chaos in this world. He sent his son to bring peace. He sent his son to reconcile sinners to himself. And that's the good news. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what God has done to make sinners right with him and to make everything that's wrong with this world right again. That's what the good news is. It's this good news. It's this message about Jesus. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Author Jerry Bridges said this once about the gospel. He said, the gospel is not only the most important message in all of history, it's the only essential message in all of history. Do you think he's overstating the point? <laughs> Here's something that Paul wrote 
about this message. Again, once again, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to the elders from Ephesus. He'd planted a church there, and he stayed there for three years working with these elders to strengthen the church. And when he's about to leave, he's not planning on ever seeing these, these men again. It's an emotional, uh, heavy, like, goodbye. And this is what Paul says to these elders before he leaves and maybe sees them for the last time. He says, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came to me. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. What's the message? The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Here Paul says very candidly to these men who he had grown close to over three years. He said, I had one message and I never shrank back. No matter what it cost me, I never shrank back from talking about this one message. The message about God's wonderful grace. That, that's what the gospel message is. It's, it's news about God's grace. What's God's grace? It's God giving us a gift we didn't deserve. Okay, God, we weren't God's enemies. We did nothing to get anything from God. We've done nothing good in God's eyes. Nothing, even our best thing, even the best things about us, even, our, even our, all of our good works and all those good things, that we, all the things we think are good about our life. It doesn't mean, I mean, it's not enough. It, it all falls short of God's glory. It, just doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything in God's sight. We haven't earned any good favor from God. And yet God, even though we were his enemies, has treated us like sons and daughters by sending his son Jesus to bring us back to him. That's all God's grace. It's not because of anything we've done. It's all grace. It's all because of God. And that's how, and so Paul said, whenever I preach this message about Jesus, I urge people, to turn from their sin to God. That's what repentance is. I urge people to repent and to turn to God to put their faith in Jesus because of this wonderful grace that God has shown people. That's what the good news is all about. In Paul's letter to the churches in Corinth, he wrote this at, at, at 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said this about the good news. He said, Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that never was true in the first place. And now he's going to tell us what the message is. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying about the good news about Jesus. Here, it's, here's, what the gospel, here's what the gospel isn't. The gospel is not good advice. Okay, it's not, the gospel is not something we do. The gospel is not something that gets us into heaven. And then after we believe this good news, you know, we just try to live our best life, we try to do what's right. No, there is no after the gospel. There's no moving on from the gospel. Okay, you believe it and then you stand in it. You stand firm in it for the rest of your life. So what is the gospel? The gospel's the good news 
that Jesus Christ has done something to bring us back to God. It's the good news that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. That's the good news. It's simple. This man, Jesus, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And he did all that for us. He did it as our substitute, as our perfect sacrifice. That's the good news, right? And when a sinner receives that message, they are immediately made right with God. They immediately experience peace with God. They didn't have that before. Before they had guilt before God. Before they maybe were running from God or hiding from God or they felt distance from God. But as soon as they received this good news about Jesus, they immediately experienced peace with the God of the universe. And it's all because of the message. It's all because they heard a message. They heard this news that they'd never heard before. And that's how you receive the gospel. That's how you're made right with God. By believing the message. Now, when Paul and Silas, we're going we're gonna to go back to the beginning of this church. When Paul and Silas planted the church. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. They went into this big city, one of the biggest cities in Greece, in northern Greece. And they stuck to a basic pattern. Anywhere they went, they basically, they found a place where people would gather. And in this case, it was the Jewish synagogue. And for three Sabbaths in a row, they did one thing. They preached the gospel. They preached the gospel to people. They preached Jesus. He died. He rose again. That's what they talked about wherever they went. And it was the same message. It was always the gospel. They didn't always preach it the same way. But the core of the message never changed. And when the gospel was proclaimed, most people listened. They listened to the message. And most people decided... Paul was just another traveling spokesman. He's just another guy selling another product, giving us a new life hack, a new life-changing idea or philosophy or secret. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's no different than any other man. This message is just another human idea. That's what most people concluded. But some people, upon hearing the message of the good news about Jesus, about a man named Jesus, completely turned their life around. Some people decided that what they were hearing was the very word of God. And that is how to receive the gospel. There is no other way to receive the gospel, right? You, You either decide it's God's word or you decide it's just another human idea. And your life will be different based on what you decide about this message. This is the message that changes everything. So Paul and Silas and Timothy are thanking and praising God that these people in Thessalonica received their message as the very word of God. They're praising God for that because that's something God did through their message. And how did that happen? How did that happen? I mean, are these people smarter than everyone else? Do they have some special access to God? Have they done something to deserve this secret knowledge? No, of course not. Paul tells us how it happened, and he does it in chapter 1. We didn't highlight these verses when we looked at chapter 1, but we're going to do it today. Here's what Paul said about them in 1 Thessalonians 1.4. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. 
And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. And in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord Jesus. Okay, so here in these few verses here, Paul's giving us what's almost like an autopsy of a dead person who's come alive in Christ. Here's a person who was dead in their sins. That's who these people were. That's who you and I were. We were dead in our sins. We were separated from God. But as soon as we heard the gospel, the good news, that Jesus dies, died and rose again, we came alive spiritually. And these, that's what these people did. They came alive spiritually. They believed God was speaking to them. And how did that happen? Paul tells us how it happened. He says, God loves you and he chose you. That's the first thing he said. God loves and chooses people. That's what he said. And that happens because of God. It doesn't happen because of us. It happens because of God. Everything always starts because of God. God is the starting point for anything good. For any new life. God loves people and he chooses them. Think about it. Jesus said this once about how people experience new life. He said, I, he says, I know my people and I call them by name. And they, they hear my voice and they know my voice and when they hear my voice, they follow me. That's what Jesus said. This is a personal call from a personal God to know him and follow him. And that's what Paul's saying about, he said, when we came and preached to you, God had already loved you and chose you. And so when you heard the message, you came alive. And how does God do that? How does God call people? God calls people through people. He, call, he did it through Paul and Silas. He does it through ordinary Christians. God speaks to people through people, usually ordinary people with a plain message about this good news about Jesus. That's how God saves people from their sins. It's through this message of the gospel. He just uses people. He speaks to people through people. And they hear this good news about Jesus, and it's not just with words, but with power. The power of the Holy Spirit. This is power to change their minds about the world and about God. Power to break spiritual strongholds. Power to, uh, power to break a person's hard heart and make them sorry for their sins. I mean, nobody can... Nobody can call on the name of God and experience God's presence on their own. They need power to do that. Nobody can receive this word of God, this new life, without power. It's the kind of power that raises people from the dead. That's the kind of power we're talking about. And I have seen this power. I have witnessed it. I have, see, I have experienced it in my own life, and I have seen other people call on the name of Jesus and experience a transformed life. And there is nothing like it. I can tell you this. I have seen babies come into the world. I have seen babies born. And there's nothing like that. You know, seeing a baby come into the world, it's, it's amazing. It's, 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 uh, it's gross and it's life-changing and it's powerful. And there's nothing like seeing that. But I can tell you that doesn't compare with seeing a a, a man or a woman or even a child call on the name of Jesus and experience transformation 
in their innermost being. You know why? Because their life will never be the same. And God did that. He's raising people from death to life through this one message. And the Holy, it's because the Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit shows up and it gives full, the Holy Spirit gives full assurance that the message that people are hearing is true. They receive the gospel with joy from the Holy Spirit. It's the kind of joy that the world doesn't understand. It's the kind of joy that's not diminished by pain and suffering. It only gets stronger. And it's so strong that these people who receive this word, they become examples to others by imitating Jesus in their life. They become examples, and they become involved in a local church family in their region. That church becomes their true family. That's all happening here in 1 Thessalonians. And Paul's reflecting on it, and he's saying, we've, we've heard about this in you. We've seen it in you. We know that God's word has come alive in you. We know you've received it. That's what he's saying. Listen to what, and that all of those things happen in a person's life because they received the message. That's it. They received it as the word of God. So listen now to what Paul said about the gospel message at the beginning of Romans. This is what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So, so the gospel message is powerful. This good news is power, it's the power of God for salvation. And here's the amazing thing. This is the way that God has chosen to rescue people from their sins. This is the way God has chosen. God could have chosen another way. Okay, God, God could have chosen to send angels into the world, to send legions of angels into the world to confront people face to face in their sins and warn them, you know, about the, about the path they're on and, and plead with those people to repent and turn to God. But God didn't do it that way. He chose not to do it that way. God could have chosen to cause people to have, have dreams and experience visions that would wake them up to Jesus and cause them to repent and turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. But God chose not to do it that way. God could have written his name in the sky and, and written his words in the sky and caused certain people to see it. But instead, God chose to send human messengers into the world with one simple message. Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again to give you peace with God. And that is the way that God has chosen to rescue sinners from their sin. And you know what? It's the only way. I mean, that's the way it happens. It happens. It's happening all over the world. This movement has never stopped. This message has never been, has, this message has never been silenced. No matter how much op opposition and persecution and suffering that, that these messengers experience, this message has never slowed down. It is still on the move. It is still rescuing people every single day from their sins and giving them peace with God. This same message for thousands of years. And anytime someone receives this message, 
God goes to work in their life, and God never stops working in that person's life. God changes them from the inside out. He changes their hearts. He changes their desires. He changes their relationships. They start wanting to please God. They start seeing life in a brand new way. They start seeing other people as more important than themselves. They start filling up with love and faith and hope and courage. And then they become messengers of this good news. Some of you probably heard of Jonathan Edwards. He was a well-known uh, revivalist, evangelist, and he preached during what, what, what we now know as the Great Awakening that happened in, uh, in, in New England uh, hundreds of years ago. And he once preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And many of you have probably heard of that sermon before, but maybe something you don't know about Jonathan Edwards is Jonathan Edwards preached from a manuscript. And he just read the manuscript in a monotone voice all the way through. That's how he preached. And when he preached that message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, a wave of repentance swept over the crowd. And suddenly people in droves were just turning to God on their knees, crying out to God, crying out to Christ for forgiveness, repenting of their sins, making decisions right there on the spot that would completely change their life. And all of this happened not as an emotional response to a fiery, dramatic, charismatic sermon. Okay, that's not what it was. It all happened because the Spirit of God used the words of God to transform sinners. And guess what? That's still how God does it today. All right? Listen, I, am not, I, I have no power in myself. It doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how passionate I get up here. It doesn't matter how dramatic or, or skilled I am in speaking. That's nothing. I have no power in myself. My, my power is only in this. It is only in the word of God. I have no authority apart from this. I have no authority apart from God's word. If I am not preaching God's word, my message is empty. It's nothing. And if you receive my messages as just another, if you look at me and you're like, oh, this is just another story from Pastor Dave. This is just another thought from Pastor Dave. Here's just another, some ideas that he wants to share with us. I mean, why are you here? What's the point? We are here to hear from God. We are here because we want to hear God speak to us today. Am I right? And this message never gets old. It, it never stops working. God never stops working in our life through the word. Ever. Through the gospel. It's all about that. It's, it's, all, that's, it's all this ever is about. is about us coming under the word of God and being, becoming more like Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Now we've said this time and time again. I mean, Paul was not a great preacher. He wasn't known for that. He wasn't he, he was not known for being a great speaker. He was not eloquent. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, clever. He was not some highly skilled communicator. But he did have power. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because anytime the gospel is preached, the Spirit of the living God is on the move. And if that's true, then there's, here's a question we should ask today. Why is it that some people receive the word and others don't? Why is it that if, if, this, if this word and the Spirit of God are so powerful, then why doesn't everyone receive the message? Why, why is that? 
Why is it that the number, that there's so few? There were few, you know, there, there were a lot of people in Thessalonica, but there were a lot more that rejected it. Why is that true today? Why are so many people rejecting the word of God? I want you to hear a couple passages from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul's talking about the good news. He's talking about the gospel and why some people receive it and others don't. And here's what he said in verse 14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Now, he elaborates on this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, this is, there's a lot there. There's a lot in this passage and I want to try to make this plain to you today, okay? Here's what Paul's saying. People cannot receive the gospel because they don't have the spirit. They are not spiritual people. And I'm not talking about a general sense of, I'm not talking about a general spirituality. What Paul's saying is they don't have the Holy Spirit of God to give them understanding, to open the door of their hearts to receive the gospel. That's what they don't have. They don't have the Spirit, so when you talk to them about spiritual things, they won't understand it. They won't receive it. The good news is hidden to them. They're blinded and deceived by their sin. They're blinded by Satan. They're blinded by their pride. And so when they hear the good news about Jesus, it's not good news to them. It's just another human idea. That's good for you, but I, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to go my own way. I'm just fine without this. And the only way that changes is by God saying, let there be light in the darkness. Paul is comparing the preaching of the gospel to the creation event. Think about that for a minute. Paul's pointing us all the way back. He quotes Genesis 1. He's pointing us all the way back to creation. And he's saying, remember when there was nothing but darkness? Remember when the earth was void? Of course, we don't remember that, but that's what, we're, that's what, that's what it was. Until God spoke. And when God spoke, what did he say? He said, let there be light in the darkness. Let there be life where there was nothing. And Paul is saying when the gospel is preached, God is speaking to create again. God is bringing life where there was no life before. God is creating light where there was only darkness. And so whenever the gospel is preached, that's what God is doing. He is speaking to the hearts of people. And he is saying, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. And he's sending his spirit into the hearts of people. So that they come alive for the first time. And they see Jesus. They, they see the face of Christ. They see, not literally, but they, they can see. I'm a sinner and I need this wonderful grace of God. And I don't want to live in my sin anymore. 
I'm going to turn to God. I want him to take control of my life. I'm with Jesus now. And that all happens because God spoke. Because God spoke and people received the message as the very words of God. So here's how I would summarize it. God loves, God chooses, the gospel is preached, the spirit is unleashed, and people believe. And that is the pattern that has been repeated over and over again, even today. So what about you? Have you received the good news about Jesus? Is God's word at work in your life? What is God doing in your life right now? Because here's the thing. If you have received this message, if you have received the gospel and you've said yes to Jesus, then God is working in your life right now. That work is ongoing. He never stops. What is the word of God accomplishing in your life right now? If you follow Jesus, he's doing something. God is at work. He will never stop. Listen to how Paul ends this passage in in 1 Thessalonians 2.14. Let's look at the next verse. He says this, And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. And in this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, which is in Jerusalem, who because of their belief in Christ Jesus suffered from their own people, the Jews. Okay, so how did Paul know that these people had received the word? Because they were willing to suffer for their faith. Because he had heard about their endurance. He had heard that they were suffering for their faith and for their loyalty to Jesus, and they didn't give up. And that's how Paul knew that their faith was real, that their faith was genuine, that God was working in their life. These believers were being harassed and persecuted for their faith in Jesus. In they, were, they experienced social rejection. They experienced verbal abuse. They were being falsely accused. Some of them might have lost their jobs or their homes or their freedoms. They might have been threatened with physical violence or even become the victims of physical violence, all because they identified with Jesus. Now, here's what I hope you see today. Because we've been talking about this persecution, about this opposition, and how important it was to the witness of this church and to the identity of these believers. I mean, suffering is, it's always been, suffering has always been a key marker of anyone's life who follows Jesus. That's how we identify with Jesus. It's how we, it's how we grow in our faith. It's through suffering. It's through opposition. It's through persecution. And in Paul's day, The gospel was creating unrest. And that's what the gospel always does. The gospel creates unrest. The gospel was creating friction in the culture. It was creating conflict and causing riots. And the gospel was the reason many Christians were being insulted and and, and they were being shamed and ridiculed and attacked. Because there was this group of religious extremists, they were the Jews, who were willing to do anything to shut this movement down. The Jews were, they killed Jesus, they killed his messengers, and they wanted to do whatever it takes to keep this good news about Jesus from spreading. Now today, in 2021, there are other movements creating unrest. Right? You know what I'm talking about. There's there's other movements that are creating unrest 
in our culture today. So why not the gospel? Why not the gospel? Why isn't the gospel creating unrest anywhere? Why aren't we, why aren't we hearing about the gospel in the news? Why aren't we hearing about Jesus anymore? Has our culture just moved on from that? Is the church just too distracted to make noise about Jesus? Because we just aren't hearing about it. I'm not hearing about any unrest. I'm not hearing about any riots because someone's preaching the gospel in the public square. We are hearing about MAGA crowds. We are hearing about white supremacists. We're hearing about terrorists. We're hearing about right-wing extremists. We're hearing about QAnon and all these other insurrectionists. Why is that? So here's what I want to remind you of today. Did you know that insurrection is in your spiritual DNA? Did you know that you've been called by God to create unrest in our culture? Did you know that when Paul and Silas showed up in Thessalonica, there was a bunch of Jews that created a riot and they dragged Paul and Silas and others before the city officials and they said about Paul and Silas, these men are turning the world upside down. These men are troublemakers. You need to do something about it. And they did. They did. Christians were suffering for their faith. They were seen as troublemakers They were creating unrest in their communities. Why isn't that happening anymore? Because when God calls anyone to follow Jesus, you know what he does? He sends them out into the world with this one message, this good news about Jesus. And he he sends us out into the world to create conflict. But it's not, he doesn't send us out into the world to create political conflict. He sends us out into the world to create spiritual conflict. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul wrote this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Okay, a lot of people today are being very outspoken about their social and political views and they're willing to go to extremes to demonstrate how important their beliefs are. They might be publicly shamed for declaring their allegiance with a certain leader or system. But what if we were outspoken about our faith? Because I would, be rather, I would rather be attacked for my faith than my politics. Okay, I, I don't... There is honor in suffering for your faith. Okay, I I don't care about your politics. Jesus does not care about your politics. Okay, and here's how I know that. Jesus lived in a politically charged society just as much as we do today and he did not choose sides. He didn't care. He was no one's political poster boy. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. That's all he preached. That's all he cared about. He's not, he was not seeking to be a king of, these, of this world. His kingdom, he said, is coming. It's another kind of kingdom. And I'm calling people into that kingdom because this world's passing away. Okay, Jesus cares about your faith. 
He says your faith is the most important thing about you, not your political affiliation. Your faith is worth talking about. Your faith is worth sharing. Your faith is more precious than gold. And when we suffer for our faith, we become imitators of Jesus. That's how we become like Jesus. So last week I challenged you, I I asked you, what would it look like for you to go all in for the church, for the gospel? And this week the challenge is this, what would it look like for you to receive the gospel? What would it look like for you to receive this good news of Jesus? Has the gospel created conflict in your life? That's what I'm asking you. Has it created conflict in your life? Has it created conflict with your old self? That self that wants to do whatever you want. The self that's ruled by temptation and sin. Has the gospel created conflict in your heart between who you used to be and who God has called you to be? Has the gospel created conflict between you and people in your family? Because if there are people in your family who don't know God, it should cause conflict. And it will cause conflict. Has the gospel caused conflict between you and the world? Because here's what I know about the gospel. The gospel will create conflict between you and the world, but it brings peace between you and God. So I'm asking you to please make a choice today. You have a choice. You can choose to have peace in this world or you can choose to have peace with God. But you can't have, you can't have both. You can either have peace and rest in this world and with this world's systems and this world's ideas or you can have peace with the living God. And let me just remind you that this world and all of its ways are passing away, but the word of God will never fade. The kingdom of God will endure forever. So which will you choose today, my friends? You know, Jesus said, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So I am urging you this morning, my friends, Please choose peace with God. There is no better decision, no more important decision than you could ever make than to choose today. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will believe. Choose this day whose voice you will listen to. Choose this day whose kingdom you're going to align yourself with. Is it the kingdoms of this world or is it the kingdom of God? Choose for yourself, my friend. There's no more important decision than you will ever make. And if you would choose today to follow Jesus, and if you would choose today to receive this good news about Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to talk to me or talk to the person, talk to the person you came with, talk to someone you trust, and just let them know, you know what? I've never really done this before, but today I chose. Today I chose Jesus. Today I chose to believe because you need help. You need, you need someone to come alongside you and to help you start this journey. And I want you to know you're not alone. You are not alone. The people in this room are here because we have chosen to belong to the kingdom of God and not the kingdoms of this world. And we are in this together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this gospel that has been preached for thousands of years And we we thank you, God, that you loved us. 
and that you chose us and that when, you, when the gospel was preached to us, you, you said, let there be light in the darkness and we came alive. God, we've done nothing to earn your favor. It's all because of you. It's all because of Jesus. And so we, we just say thank you today. We humble ourselves today. We just say thank you, God, for what you've done in our hearts. We thank you that you're working in us and that you're making us more like Jesus. And we thank you that someday, God, you're coming back for us. You're going to send your son Jesus to come back. And when that happens, God, you're going to begin to make everything right again. You've already started it, and one day it's going to be made complete. And you are going to redeem this world, and everything is going to be made new. And, and God, we are living for that day. We're living for the future. We, we are not of this world anymore. God, no matter what happens this year, we are not afraid. Because we have been called out of this world. We've been called to your kingdom. And we know that your kingdom is coming. And no matter what happens in this world, that's not going to change. So God, we welcome you today. We welcome your word. We thank you for speaking to us. And may you do whatever you want in our lives. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. I'd like to invite you to stand as we close our service with the benediction this morning. The benediction comes from the end of the book of Romans. And I'd like you to hear this today as you leave. This is how Paul ended this letter to the, to the people in Rome. Please bow your heads with me. Now all glory to God who's able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget we'll be back next week at 10 o'clock. I look forward to seeing you then.